So I'm well aware that some of you know me really well. Some of you know me a little bit well. And some of you don't even know me at all. So um, just at the beginning, I want to share a little bit of my story. You've got such a beautiful smile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you must be the Chilena, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just about who I am so you can get to know me a little bit more. Um, and then we'll move on to the things that I really felt on my heart, you know, that, that God wanted to talk about tonight. So, my name is Azadeh. It's actually Azadeh, and it's Persian for free spirit or freedom. Um, my dad is very mixed. He calls himself Persian, but my grandfather is Russian, and my grandmother is Arabic, um, and they lived and met in Iran. So, there you go. And on my mum's side, my grandfather is Malaysian and my grandmother is half Spanish, half Filipino. And so, but my mum was born in the Philippines and she calls herself Filipino. <laughs> so, so I'm technically half Persian, half Filipino, but really, really mixed. And I was born in the Philippines. Um, I came to Australia when I was six. I don't know if, has anyone heard of a place called Villawood Detention Centre? It is full of wonderful memories to me. That was my first home in Australia. And it wasn't a detention centre back then, it was a hostel. And I felt so welcomed to the country. Um, it was actually so lovely that as a six-year-old, I often wouldn't come home at night because i just knock on people's doors and say, hi, my name's Azzy, what's yours? And find out what country they were from and I would end up having dinner with them and my parents wouldn't know where I was. So my dad had to lie to me and tell me that when the sun started going down, killer reindeer would come out of the trees um, and would eat me. So as soon as I started seeing the sun going down, I'd say to people, okay, I've got to go now, got to go home. See you later. I'll come back tomorrow. And I'd run home. Of course, I needed ministry for this later <laughs> because I know my dad was trying to do the right thing, but it really brought a spirit of fear into my life. <laughs> But anyway, I guess it was for my protection. <laughs> yeah, I know, so bad parents, hey? Um, <laughs> and, um, and so my, in my family, my mum's um, mum was Catholic and my mum's dad was Muslim. And I would see this beautiful parade happen because for some reason my grandma and my grandpa, they were together, but they didn't live together. They actually not even didn't live together. They lived in totally different cities. My grandfather and his brothers run a town called Mindanao in the Philippines. And if any of you know Mindanao, um, it's one of the biggest Muslim cities outside of the Middle East. And, and my, dad, my grandfather and his brothers run it. Yeah, so if, my, if we go visit or if my mum goes and visits, she needs armed escorts. And um, so my grandmother's Catholic, but my grandpa has no idea that she's Catholic. So whenever we would hear word that he was coming to visit, there would this, be this huge parade. The crosses would come off, the Marys would come off, everything would come off the walls, and up would come the Quran, this, that. And I remember as a kid just watching it going, what is going on here? Um, because, yeah, he was very Muslim. And my dad was Muslim. And so we came to Australia when I was six because uh, 
My dad got kicked out of Iran because he went against a guy called Alata Khomeini when he was 18, my dad the rebel, and got kicked out of the Philippines. But then they sent people to the Philippines to kill my dad and his people. So then it was either Switzerland, Canada, America or Australia and the papers for Australia happened first. And I'm really grateful for that because I'm here and because I met the love of my life. <laughs> well, the second love of my life. I, bet bo- I met both the loves of my life in Australia. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't feel like the chef. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, so I ended up, so I was born in the Philippines. I lived in Iran for a year and I learnt fluent, fluent Persian. And then I came back to the Philippines and then we escaped to Australia. And in Australia, um, we had a very hard family. And so I grew up a very, very angry teenager. Very, very angry teenager. And so then I got invited to a youth camp. How many here have been invited to a youth camp? Yeah, you've been to a youth camp? I went because the boys were hot. No joke, I did. (laughs) I was like, I don't know what these weird people want to do with me, but cute guys, I'm there. And so, (laughs) so I was there, but obviously Jesus had a very different idea for me. And I remember the first night, um, this poor guy, like probably around my age, he was talking about God's love and I was like, God's love? You have no idea. So I waited until the very end, until everyone left, and I gave it to him. I said, you don't effing have any idea about effing this and that. I swore at him. I was just like, you you are some prissy Christian who've had a beautiful life and you have no idea. You know, and then he's, he said to me, it sounds like you've got some stuff to talk with God about. And I said, why would I talk to God? He doesn't exist. And I walked off. <laughs> and I'm sure all the youth leaders were praying for me. Because the next day we were at a bonfire and they gave us this candle. And I was also really smart ass. So um, they were like, oh, what happens to the, the, the wax when the flame hits it? And I was like, it disappears into the atmosphere. And they're like, yes, but does it ever become a candle again? And I'm like, no. And they were like, well, it's just like when Jesus touches our sins and he forgives us. It doesn't become a candle again. It doesn't suddenly reappear. It's gone. And I just started crying and I didn't even know why I was crying. And I felt so embarrassed. I was like, oh, no, no, You know, and, um, and that night I couldn't sleep. So second night I couldn't sleep. And so the very next day, I just said to the cabin leader, I said, I need some time by myself. Like, you guys are messing with my head. And um, it's really weird because she should never have left me by myself. Like, I'm a teacher now. You don't leave a child with a messed head by herself in a room, yeah? Um, (coughs) But she did. And I just started yelling at God. I said, if you exist, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why did this happen? You know, if you're real, blah, blah, blah. And I was yelling my head off at him and... And then just for some reason, I ran out of the room and I ran straight into the forest. And I ran and I ran and I ran through the forest. And I got to this little wooden chapel in the middle of the woods that I didn't even know existed. And I ran into the chapel. And I fell down on my knees. And I said, Jesus, I don't know who you are. I don't know why you want me. But if you want me that bad, 
You know, I don't have anything inside of me except anger and hatred because that's what I was full of. You know, I was like an emotional bully at school. We had a little gang and we used to make people's lives a hell. And, um, and I just said, I've got nothing inside of me except hatred and anger. And I said, but if you want me that bad, you can have me. And as soon as I said that, this big, fat, ugly crow, like, flies into the chapel because there's a branch that goes into the chapel and just sits there and stares at me. And I was like, <laughs> and out of nowhere, I wasn't a Christian. I don't think I ever read the Bible. Maybe when I went to mass with my grandma or something, but I just went, Satan, I'm not part of your kingdom anymore. I belong to God now. Get out of my life. And the crow flew away. And it was like my world went from black and white to colour. And it just like someone lifted this cloak off me. And oh my goodness, it was so, it would have been really funny watching me actually because like everything looked beautiful. The grass looked beautiful, the trees looked beautiful, everything looked beautiful. And when I went back to camp, I was like, oh my God, you're beautiful. This is beautiful, that's beautiful. And, and I'm just like, and they would have been like, what happened to you? And, um, and then the very next day they had, you know, oh, you know, we're going to come and pray for people for the gift of tongues and, and to baptize them in the Holy Spirit. And I was like, God, I, I don't want to do that. I said, I'll get up there just as long as I don't fall over and speak that funny language. But of course I did, boom, <laughs> you know, spoke in tongues and was baptized in the Holy Spirit the next day. And my life's never been the same. Uh, and it's and it split my group of friends. So that group of notorious girls, half of them love Jesus, absolutely love Jesus. Um, I'm married to people who love Jesus and, you know, are doing great things. And the other half are still kind of hanging around, which is really strange because people don't often keep their high school friends, but they're still around in the sphere. And every now and then they ask me stuff. But yeah, so um, anyway, I got home and I started telling my dad this story because I was so mad at my dad, I just didn't want to speak to him, but I just had to tell him what happened. And you know, my dad's a Middle Eastern man and you don't often see Middle Eastern men cry, Yeah. But as I'm telling him the story and as I'm saying, he's like, he's got tears streaming down his eyes. And for ages, like I was 14 when that happened. I think when I was about 12, my dad tried to tell me that he'd given his life to Jesus. And I kept telling him, I don't care. You know, you're a bad man and I won't have anything to do with you. You know, I don't care if you've given your life to Jesus. It doesn't make up for the things that you did. Um, but so I went to him and I told him the story and he's crying and it turns out that the, that little chapel in the woods was the exact same place that my dad gave his life to Jesus. And when he gave his life to Jesus, he saw fire fall on the chapel and he heard the audible voice of God. And God said to him, because of your obedience, I'm going to save you and seven generations. Um, and I'm his oldest daughter. And consequently, all of my, my sisters... And my brother is on a journey, but I do believe he has a relationship with Jesus. But all of my sisters, including my sister with Down syndrome, have given their lives to Jesus. Um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. So I live with a peace knowing that every single child in our family is going to know Jesus because of this incredible promise he made to my dad. 
So, you know me a little bit better? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I'm 34, turning 35. I teach at Cabramatta High School. I, go, I teach English and drama. And I love working at a public school because I'm one of the highest paid missionaries in the world. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, it's, it's the best. And, um, yeah, like, it's great. And, and I go to Cabramatta Vineyard with, you know, the, some of the, the most incredible people you could ever meet. They're beautiful. Yeah. So, so there, that's a little bit of an introduction. Um, so when I was thinking about tonight um, and was asking God about what to share with you, a verse came to my head and, and I'll tell you the verse. Um, it's from Romans 2.4 and it goes a little bit like this, NLT version. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? And I think a lot of people know, are familiar with, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And it was this idea that I really felt. Um, and when I think about my, um, my journey with Jesus and the most pivotal points in my life, um, the, the times that have changed and shaped me into becoming the person that I am now, um, they have been times when I have been in direct contact with God's kindness, either through other people. Now, the way my dad came to know Jesus is, you know, when we first moved out of the hostel, there were these Assyrian men who just kept giving us things. They'd give us couches and cutlery and plates and when we didn't have money, they would help us with our bills. And these guys wore my dad out with their kindness. Um, and that's how he eventually gave his life to Jesus. And he was a devout Muslim. Um, and it was the same with me. Like, it was God's kindness. Um, all my life, the most effective motivator... I've had lots of different motivators. There's been fear. There's been fear of judgment, all of these things, but the most effective motivator towards holiness and towards living a life following the king has been a desire um, to love him and to serve him because of his kindness towards me. Um, it can, and Jesus is the kindest person I've ever met in my life. He is the kindest person I've ever met in my life. Um, it can be so easy when we get to a place where we, we feel like we're okay. I'm okay now. I'm good. I'm good. And out of this place, it can be so easy to, to feel like we, we can judge people. We can go, well, I'm, I'm doing all right, but that person over there, oh, I'm a bit worried about him. Or, you know, that's a bit sus over there. Um, it can really be easy. Or when we're in a position where we're giving to people and we're serving people, and something goes wrong and we get really hurt, it can be really easy to, to hold offence. And trust me, if, if you're loving people, you get hurt. And, um, and, it, and it's so easy to, to hold that in our hearts and to become hard in our hearts. 
Um, but if it's God's kindness that leads us to turn away from our sin, um, if it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance, what does that mean for us? And I'm throwing that out to you. Tell me. When we get hurt or offended, what does God's kindness leading us to repentance mean to us about how we are with other people? Come on, girls. Anybody? That we should forgive them. That's really hard. <laughs> like to show kindness in response to whatever's been done to us. Yeah. Yeah. To remember that we probably were in the same position at some stage. Yeah. I was at work one day. And um, I was speaking to some lady in the st- our, our staff room. Everybody's together. There's like a left wing and a right wing and a huge kitchen in the middle. And I teach at a school with 1,400 students. And um, so there are about 140 staff. Half of them are on that wing. The other half are on that wing. And there's this huge kitchen area in the middle where we eat our lunch, Yeah. And I was in there once, and I, was, I, I said to a lady, hey, you know, is everything okay? And in front of, there were a few people there, she just started yelling at me. She said, you're too nice. <laughs> she was like, and it's fake. I can see it's fake. And you say that people are lovely, but you don't mean it. So don't call me lovely, call me by my name. And I was just like, and I was like, okay. <laughs> and I just said to her, I said, I'm really sorry that that's what you feel. I said, but I can only be who I am. And I said, if you want me to call you by your name, then I'll call you by your name. And then I walked away and I sat down and I ate my lunch by myself. <laughs> and I had a little tea on this side because I didn't want them to see that side. And I just ate. And for the next year, I purposed in my heart that I would wear her out with kindness. And it was one of the hardest things I've had to do. And I've had to do some really hard things. And um, I'd say hello to her and she'd go, she'd like grunt at me, literally grunt at me. And I'd just say, hello, her name, because I used her name. (laughs) And, um, but now... She'll stop and she'll speak to me and she'll say hi back and she respects me. Um, and it took a long time. Um, but yeah, no, that was, that was pretty crazy. And I didn't talk about it to other people. You know, that was another thing that I decided I was going to do. I didn't want to tell anyone about it because I didn't want to affect how other people saw her. So, and I think she really... She realised that because she didn't hear about it. Because, you know, with teachers, gossip goes like that. Um, And, uh, yeah, anyway. So, um, 
God has some things to say about these situations and we'll go to different places in the Bible. So we don't have much time, otherwise I'd get you all to find it, but I'll just read it out to you. So anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. Um, and you know that murderers don't have eternal life with them. Well, so how many people knew that if you hated someone that was like murder to God? Yeah, I know. It's like full on. <laughs> and then here's another one. But I say if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse at someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Um, that's Matthew 5, 22. And then Matthew 7, 2. For you will be treated as you treat others, the standard by which you will be judged. Yeah, that's the standard by which you'll be judged. And then the last one is in Daniel 5, 18 to 20. The Most High God gave sovereignty, majesty, glory, and honor to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. He made him so great that people from all races and nations and languages trembled before him. And then skip a little bit further. It says, but when his heart and mind were puffed up with arrogance, he was brought down from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. Um, so I guess what God thinks is pretty clear. Um, and I'm the first one to say, I'm in the car, someone does something dangerous, the first thing that will come out of my mind is, you idiot, and then I'll be like, oh, I said idiot. And then, I'll, you know, it's like, um, uh, and, um, you know, and when I get angry, like, and I'm hurt by someone, it's so hard to give it to God and let it go. Um, but does that mean that because I do that, I'm a lost cause? No, it's actually what I do after that that really counts. Um, I think that's what matters. Um, do I say sorry and surrender my anger before God? Um, do I try to bring myself before God and ask him to help me to forgive even I, when I really, really don't want to? Um, do I realise how hard my heart has become and allow God to soften me? Um, to surrender the offence, the hurt, the judgement and allow God's kindness towards that other person to be demonstrated through me. Um, to be God's kindness in action. It's, it's countercultural. You know, kindness looks soft, but it takes a really strong person to be kind. Um, and I think it's revolutionary. Um, and it's simple. And the fact that it's simple works for someone like me. I do simple. I like simple. <laughs> um, and I've seen again and again in my life, God's kindness in action brings people to Jesus. Um, that's one of the passions of my life. I love seeing people get to know Jesus. From kindness, things happen. Many times before Jesus ever did anything, 
before he healed people or before he did something incredible, it would say in the Bible, um, he was full of compassion and then he. He was filled with compassion and then he healed. He was filled with compassion and then he fed them, you know. Um, uh, Yeah, so um, he had compassion on them. So often kindness and compassion was his motivator. Um, yesterday, Nicole and I went to a place that I've never been to before and I love. I wish it was in Sydney. It's a place called Paleo. How many of you guys have been to Paleo? Paleo, sorry, my bad. Paleo. Well, I went to Paleo and um, it was yummy-o. <laughs> and uh, if Nick and I had the money, I think we'd open one. <laughs> one in Sydney and one in Brisbane. Um, so we were there doing what Nick and I do. Blah, 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 Talk. Love talking. And um, catching up. And uh, I saw a girl who was working there and God moved my heart in kindness towards her. I just felt, felt drawn to her. And I was in the middle of talking to Nick and I just looked at her and I just went, are you okay? And she just went, blah, 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 and burst into tears. Just broke apart in front of me. And um, I drew her near, held her in my arm, because I was sitting down and she was standing up. And I just said, can we pray for you? And she's like, yes. And prayed for her and God's peace came on her. And, um, and then she went off and worked and we kept blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it was the most natural thing. It was seamless. It was like talk, Girl, cry, pray, off she goes, we start talking again. <laughs> um, and when we left, she came up to, to us and, and thanked us and, and said, I feel really different. And we're like, yes, you know. Um, and it was the most natural transaction. Um, yeah, she, and she felt better. So... Completely simple, completely organic, not complicated. Kindness. Um, No techniques, no steps for evangelism. Kindness. Um, I had a really, really, really busy day at work, which is happening more now because I'm getting ready to become a head teacher. And um, I was exhausted. I came home and I got a phone call. And it was some of our neighbours who were refugees. They were distressed. Oh, and I'm trying to understand what he's saying because he's Persian and his English is really um, Persian-y. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Hamid was so upset. And I eventually deciphered that he got a letter from the real estate saying that they had to move. They had 10 days to get out of there. And he's like, I don't even know what happened. And la, la, la. And I tried to talk to them and they just told us, no, you have to go. And I was like, oh, I'm so tired. I was thinking in my head, oh. And I just said to him, just don't worry, let me call the real estate. And so I rang the real estate, spoke with her, talked with her, had about half an hour conversation with her. And, and then she said, okay, they can stay. I understand what's happening. And, 
So then I rang them back and I said, it's okay, you don't have to move. And they're like, what? And I'm like, you don't have to move. Why? I spoke to the real estate. It's fine. Stay. And then he rings me back and goes, are you sure? And I'm like, yes. But I'm so worried. And I'm like, don't worry. It's fine. You don't have to go anywhere. He's like, okay. (laughs) Um, He came up to Adam in the car park and he said to Adam, I don't know what it is, but when I'm close to you, I feel close to God. And I feel peaceful. I get relaxed. That's what he said. He goes, when I'm close to you, I get relaxed. It was the best. Um, And, you know, that just brings them a step closer to Jesus. There isn't anything mystical and magical um, about the act of moving in God's power. Um, when we choose to orientate ourselves towards Jesus. Um, and allow him to move in kindness through us. You know, it's, it doesn't sound that huge, does it? Like if I said to you, Bo, you need to go and evangelise the world. Go, now. But if I said to you, Bo, go and be kind to people. Be really kind. Be unusually kind to people. Even when it hurts, be kind to people. Do you think you could do that? You know what that means, at least, yeah? Like, you know, it's something we can, we can do. Sorry? Not creepy kind. I don't know, Ula, I do creepy kind. <laughs> it's like, do you want a coffee? One of my favourite things to do is um, if I'm in the grocery line and we can, like if, if we're in a position where we can, and I see someone fumble for money and I just go, oh, it's okay, I'll pay for your groceries. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> okay. And they're like, run, run before she decides to change her mind. <laughs> you know, and it's just, it's the best thing. Just go and be kind. Um... Yeah, (laughs) Um, but to do that, you need to let Jesus get at the things that hinder you from freedom to be kind, Um, things that stop you from being a, a vehicle of God's kindness and that stop you from, and that stop you from receiving his kindness, because that can be a problem too when we can't receive God's kindness ourselves. There's something that somebody really good told me in my life, and I don't know which somebody that was. It could have been Greg. It could have been Judy. It could have been Jesus. It could have been Diane. It could have been any numerous amounts of incredible people that God has put in my life. Um, But I just remember it in my head, and it's like, you know, anybody can be gifted, But giftedness means nothing without character. Or giftedness without character is dangerous. Um, And I I am 100% each person here has got gifts and talents from God. 
but bring your heart before God and let him work on your character so that you have something to carry that giftedness and so that you will last the distance. That's my heart. And any time I do anything with the young adults in the vineyard, my heart is that they make the, the distance. That when they're old and grey, they are still loving the Lord and they're still passionate for him. Um, yeah. So now to the prayer. <laughs> when I, um, I was thinking about ministry for tonight, I think there are two different areas here that God wants to minister to people in. And one area of, of, of is just to do business with God. If there's somebody in your life that, is, um, that you need to forgive or that you are angry with or, you know, that you're holding offence against, it's like get rid of it so that God can move through you in his divine kindness, you know. Um, and the second thing that I think that, you know, people may need or want ministry for is... Um, for people who are really hard on themselves and find it hard to connect with God's kindness towards them. Because there is no way, no way I could be kind to anybody if I didn't understand God's kindness to me. He has been so good to me, so kind to me. I would have nothing if it wasn't for him, nothing, Um, literally nothing. You know, when he picked me up, I had nothing. Um, and he's just the kindest person I know. So if you need to connect with that kindness, um, come and get prayer or, you know, we'll, we'll make a, a, an open forum for that. And if you just need to do business with God and need, you know, someone to help you with that, you know, to, for that extra support to just go, you know, God, this is really hard, but I want to choose to forgive Um, then do that too. Thank you so much for listening to me and for having me here. Um, We really love you guys. Thank you.